0: Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is The Catholic Podcast, where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Clumsy Theosis podcast. I am really excited that you're here. My name is Rochelle Lucero, but I'm thinking you already know that. In today's episode, we're talking about theosis. But you might have noticed that on this show, we typically always talk about theosis, either by talking about something in the faith and looking at it through the lens of theosis or drawing something back to theosis. And we do that because it's just the name of the show. So that's what we do. No, that is not why we do that. Theosis is part of a branch of Christian theology that focuses on the study of our salvation, which is called soteriology. And since Jesus did everything that he did for the sake of our salvation, my logic is that soteriology, i.e. theosis, it's kind of a big deal, yeah? Okay, today we're going to be talking about theosis in a very specific way. You could imagine as the host of a show called Clumsy Theosis over the years, how many times I have been asked to explain theosis to all kinds of people, believers and non-believers. And I used to start from an authoritative quote from a saint during the time of the early church. And I thought that, yeah, this is great. It's reputable because, you know, it's from a saint, it's from the early church. So we have like antiquity to back us. And non Catholic Christians typically, if you talk about a saint during the time of the early church, like one of the church fathers, they don't really argue. And I thought, ooh, awesome. Okay, this is a great place to start. And my favorite, my favorite quote that I used to use was, God became man, that man might become like God, which was by St. Athanasius. But no, this never really ever went good for me. (laughs) Even when I was talking to Catholics, people who are very faithful, I got a lot of confused looks, um, skeptical faces, raised eyebrows even that suggested, um, are you sure you're not a heretic? And I got some really weird questions that were kind of like, Mormon-esque? You know, like, what do you mean I become a god? Are you trying to say that I get my own planet? Dot, dot, dot. Anyways, today I explain theosis way, way differently. And it's because I start with what people already are familiar with, and then I build on that. Who would have thought that that is a good way to explain something? But here's the truth, and it's an exciting truth, that the average Christian is a lot more familiar with theosis than they realize. And not just theosis, but they use theosis language and they don't even realize they're doing it. And an interesting, more interesting point is that this language is actually coming from the early church. But again, people don't realize it and it's because no one has ever helped them to connect those dots. Once you connect those dots, you can actually apply those things to your life a lot better, a lot deeper and have more deep transformation. I mean, who doesn't want that? In today's episode, we're going to talk about theosis in the early church from the time of the church fathers. This is going to be a more in-depth version than when I give my elevator pitch, when people ask me to explain theosis. What I'm actually going to do is I'm going to give you the meat and potatoes behind my elevator pitch. It's still going to be digestible. You see what I did there? Meat, potatoes, digestible. Ah. Anyways, it is still going to be digestible because that's just the nature of this show. So for today, think brief survey of theosis in the early church. It will be brief, but it will be meaty. You'll get some substance. A few years ago, I did an episode called Theosis in the Bible, and it was on what you would expect it to be on, theosis passages in the Bible, specifically my favorite passages. And I'm going to include that on the website. And you can find that link down in the show notes. But as we move in history from the biblical time to the patristic period, and the patristic period spans the end of the New Testament into the Middle Ages. This is, you know, the time of the early church. As we move from the Bible into the patristic period, we'll see how the church came to really understand theosis with the help of the Holy Spirit and how the church teased out language in order to explain this new reality. And as we do this, it's going to help us to do the same. And we're also going to be able to utilize what we learn in today's episode to apply it to our journey of theosis so we can become saints. You know, those unique images of Christ running around transforming the world. But let's pause there for a second on us being unique images of Christ. God's purpose for humanity is to restore our image and likeness. Remember that once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, no, in a garden far, far away, that man had the image and likeness of God, but our likeness to God was lost in the garden with the sin of Adam and Eve. And our image to God was smeared at that time. Okay. God wants to spend eternity with us. He wants our salvation, but how are we going to get there now that our image, our, our image has been speared and our likeness has been lost? Well, we become saints, we live out the invitation to theosis, however you want to phrase it. Basically, we become unique images of Christ. And it's through theosis that our image and likeness is being restored to the image and likeness of Jesus. It's through theosis also that we are transformed into a relationship with God, which leads to salvation. All of this is for our salvation, you know, restoring our image, having a relationship with Christ. It's for salvation so we can have eternity with God. The early church always had this in mind. There were three uses of theosis during the time of the early church, but the most popular one among the church fathers was the metaphorical usage. When they used the metaphorical usage of theosis, they actually used it in two different ways. Both ways are correct, both ways are still used today, and both are rooted in scripture. We're going to talk about those different ways because they are going to help guide us on our journey of theosis. The first way that you will encounter theosis in the teachings of the church fathers is through what is called the ethical usage. Now, in this sense, the way that we attain likeness to God is by thinking and acting like Christ. So it makes sense that in this usage, you're going to focus on practices or actions or even your thought life and particularly like ascetical practices or adopting philosophies to live like Christ. And you can sum up the ethical usage of theosis as imitation of Christ. And I know when I say that, that that sounds familiar to many of us, imitation of Christ, okay? This is a buzzword. There are also gonna be a number of buzzwords or phrases that I know you are also familiar with that are actually talking about theosis from this ethical sense. It's just no one has ever pointed them out to you. You think them and you probably use them a lot more than you realize. So things obviously like imitation of Christ, following Christ, being conformed to Christ, um, having a likeness to Christ or being a disciple of Christ, or when you listen to Christ or when you walk with Christ, right? You're going to find These phrases are similar phrases if you read St. Clement or the Cappadocian Fathers, because they were really big on this ethical use of theosis, this imitation aspect. And I've noticed, this is just like my musing, but I have noticed that Western Catholics gravitate towards saints like St. Clement and the Cappadocian Fathers, and they tend to adopt this usage of theosis a lot more quickly than the second kind that we're gonna talk about. I just think it's really interesting. If by the end of this, you have any theories as to why this is, please email me and let me know, clumsytheosis at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But anyways, back to those phrases, I'm sure you were like, yeah, I say that, or I think that, or I've read that, I even read it in contemporary books, or my priest says stuff like that, right? What did I tell you? You are a lot more familiar with theosis than you realize, and you use theosis language a lot more than you realize you do. And we're gonna come back to these phrases because they are important. If you didn't get them, don't worry, they're gonna be in the show notes. The second way that the church fathers understood theosis can be classified as ontological or realistic. And it kind of sounds complex, but it isn't really. So ontology is the study of being, of existing. I like to use ontological instead of realistic, and that's because we were just talking about the ethical, which is about imitation. And imitation is about actively doing something, whereas ontological is the opposite. It's just being. It's existing without any effort of our own, right? So when I think of it that way, it gives me a very clear-cut way to differentiate and to categorize between the two uses because I can put things in the doing category or I can put them in the being category. And this is really important when to come, this is important when it comes to those buzz phrases that we're going to come back to. When I try to use the word realistic, it just kind of doesn't do that for me. Anyways, in this ontological sense, the fathers held that without any doing, On our part, we participate in the divinity of God. We are transformed into his being somehow, some way. And since we didn't make that happen, it's obvious that God made it happen, right? We were just being and he made it happen. The theological roots of this are found in the incarnation. And that makes perfect sense. Because God, when he became man, he took on our humanity. And through that, we have appropriated God's divinity. I mean, this is by his design, of course. Like, we didn't steal it or anything. This is the way he designed it. An example of this ontological sense of theosis uh, can be found in the resurrection. You know, think about that. Our Our future resurrection is only possible by us participating in the divine. Right? We could never make that happen on our own. And you can sum up the ontological through participation. We just kind of go along for the ride, right? We participate and go along for the ride. Fathers like Origen, Justin Martyr, Athanasius, Irenaeus, they followed this usage of theosis a lot more closely than the ethical usage. And again, my musings, I have noticed that Eastern Catholics, And Eastern Christians tend to lean more this way when they're thinking about salvation. They'll use phrases like oneness with God, union with God, or the indwelling of God, or how about the participation in the divine nature, which we'll talk about next week. Anyways, also, whenever there's talk about being a child of God or being adopted by God or divine filiation even being heirs with Christ to the kingdom of God, right? These all fall under that ontological understanding of theosis, this participation-focused understanding of theosis. Now that we have this distinction between the doing and the being and the buzzwords that fit in each category, this is where our role comes into play. Remember those two categories, the doing and the being, okay? Doing was for the ethical usage of theosis, which I summed up as imitation. The being category is for the ontological use of theosis, which we will sum up as participation. So if we recap that quickly, ethical is doing, i.e. imitation of Christ. Ontological is being, i.e. participation with Christ. As we take part in the sacramental life of the church, or we read the scriptures or the writings of the church, we have one job, okay? We have one job. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we are to listen for those buzzwords and for those phrases. Because they're going to highlight which means the sacrament will or those holy writings are intended to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ. It will either be ethical, focusing on imitation, or ontological, focusing on participation, right? Once we identify those buzzwords and whether they land, you know, they're more imitation-based or participation-based, Then we partner with God ourselves in prayer in that moment. And we ask, how am I supposed to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ through this? Because everything that we do in the sacramental life of the church, through the scriptures, through any other sacred writings, it is for the sake of our salvation, for us to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, right? It's to help us on our journey of theosis. You will get so much more out of those sacraments and the scriptures when you do that. Okay. Tell me. That that didn't make theosis so much more, I want to say tangible, um, doable, applicable, um, participatory, right? Like, it's not just a concept now that we have those buzzwords to look out for. I also want to point out, because I know I separated them into the two categories, the being and the doing, I also want to point out that this ethical and ontological sense of theosis, they're not in opposition to each other. You do not have to pick each one. I mean, either one, because they actually work in tandem. They work together. And in fact, in the fourth century, St. Cyril of Alexandria created what I call a hybrid theosis. I love this one. It is my favorite. We're going to talk about this next week. This is legit. It's accepted by the church. And a little bit more of a teaser for next week. There's a link in the show notes for the new Clumsy Theosis shop. Okay, I have different products in there. One of which is a Theosis definition, which we're going to use next week when we talk about St. Cyril's hybrid. We are also going to be talking about 2 Peter 1.4, which is about partaking by nature. Okay, that's a little sneak peek. Hit up the shop, buy some merch. It supports the show. Now, those buzzwords that you're going to need to practice looking out for, those are on the website. You can get the link for them in the show notes. Okay, we are not done yet. We still have something very important to do, and that is to pray God's truth over ourselves based off of what we have covered today. So let's pray some declarations, okay? God has made theosis possible. He wants us to partake in it. So let's start walking in that, and we can start with prayer, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, all you have to do is repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree through theosis, my image and likeness is being restored to the image and likeness of Jesus, God incarnate. God the Father has given me the grace to imitate his son, Jesus Christ. God desires to be in relationship with me for all of eternity. Because of the incarnation of Christ, the doors to eternity with God have been opened to me. Amen. You will find these declarations on the website as well, and the link for that is down in the show notes. A big thank you to our top financial supporters, Sherry, Vincent, Gina, T-Rex, Jason, Gary, and Lewis. I don't think I forgot anyone. Um, If you have got value out of today's show, please listen to the outro message of this episode and take it to prayer. Until next time, peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at ClumsyTheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right. Thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.